Hey guys, welcome back to the Friday Live podcast. Tim's back today. Say hi, hi Tim. Hi, Tim. Um, what's going on, man? Been a long. How long has it been since I've been here? Two weeks. Yeah, maybe, maybe a couple a of week weeks and a half. You haven't I shaved since you've been here, apparently. Yeah, evidently, it's been. We deal with all kinds of stuff too in our personal lives, even though we're famous, you know, and we have people do things for us. Yeah, I mean, we have. I think we have three three people that subscribe to the channel, so it's really <laughs> it's really taken off. Um, we are glad you're here. If you're watching, uh, don't forget like, do all that kind of stuff. We are going to talk about, and I th what we think is an interesting topic. <clears throat> Your wife might say that it's something we always talk about, but uh, well, yeah. And it kind of is, but it's something I've been digging into and studying lately. And it's just it's one of those things, you know, man, if, you, if you're studying it, it's everywhere. Yeah. You know, you, you start seeing it everywhere. And, uh, and we're going to talk about how we, how we create our own ideas of what the kingdom looks like. And we're going to give some, some scriptural evidence about that and tie some things together that you may think are not together. Well, and even from things we've been studying. Yeah. So don't run off. Go grab your Bible if you got it. We'll be back in just a second. Um, I want to, I want to, I actually want to, I want to get you to talk a little bit about, you said you wanted to have all the attention today. So, um, uh, if you follow our podcast or if you don't, you've ever heard us speak or anything, one of the things that, that every time we speak, every time we do a men's deal, if we're doing a Bible study training, it's this effort to get ourselves, our minds and people's minds trained to look past the surface, mm. to just go, you know, the scripture at its face value is valuable. And then there's a lot more beyond that that you kind of got to dig for. Not like secret code kind yeah. of stuff, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about like deeper meanings, eternal meanings, you know, uh, like we, our verse, we always open with everywhere we go. Second Chronicles 16, nine, you know, um, Tim calls that an eternal verse. Um, what do, what do you mean? That's a, I guess that's the question. I just pitch you the softball. What do you mean? That's an eternal verse. Well, um, an eternal verse is kind of like, or for me anyway, it's as you read through the scriptures, there's things that I'll see, and not on a one-time event. Usually, this is God really didn't pull that out till after I'd been studying for mm. a while. I guess. Anyway, the point was is that I started seeing God working in ways. Uh, that I never saw before. I was always looking for how am I supposed to walk, talk, and act, right? And uh, as linear okay. beings, that's what we do. Matt and I were talking about this a little bit while ago, and I'm, I'm gonna answer the question, but this is kind of some reference. Uh, everywhere we go, church and all that, you know, we, they, they pick some book and some passage of scripture, and they, you know, that's where we focus. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but we almost get into a habit we don't even know about that that's how I study and learn about the kingdom. And so we're fo so focused right there, we forget about all the past stuff, which is why when we're going through like Romans or Second Peter, I'm one of these that keep going back and saying, remember this and this and this and this, because it's all relevant to what's transpiring, right? It's like having a page of a story that you see if you rip one of the pages out of it, the story gets this spot. You just, you just kind of jerk, right? Right. And so uh, an eternal verse is something. So that's <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose hearts are perfect toward him. That's King James language, so it sounds a little archaic, but... The point is, is it says that God's looking all over the place, and he's looking for the one who's got his per a perfect heart toward him. It doesn't mean he does everything perfect. It means he's 
He's worried about what God thinks, and he wants to be what God thinks. And he shows himself strong behind that person. And that's significant if you think about it. I mean, that's, that's a powerful, powerful thought. And it's in the middle of this story that you're reading it, and if you didn't, if that didn't jump out, you'd just go right past it. Yeah. It's almost like it's out of context. Right. Well, and, and I want to contrast looking for eternal meaning with taking stuff out of context. Yeah. Those are two different things. And, right. you know, and typically what happens when you take something out of context and apply it in a way you shouldn't, you're applying it at face value outside of the context that defines that face value. Whereas in this one, like he said, we're, we're, you're studying along, you're reading about this judgment that's about to come. Yes, I'm going to restore you, but there's judgment. You know, there's just this, there's this junk happening. And um, then right in the middle of it, he makes that statement, you know, the eyes of the Lord. And it's not made in such a way that's like, well, if you'll do this particular thing that's in this passage, then my eyes will look around the world. Yeah. Or in this, it's just a statement of, of fact outside of time outside it just is a statement of his nature and that's what throws us we're time individuals yeah. that's what i was talking about you know we look in the one passage and we do this and everybody teaches like that well i don't we go from passage to passage to passage understand that but in the moment that's where you are and that's how you think you have to deal with everything right and so uh but we forget that it's one big story and it's innate and i think one of the things we have to train ourselves to do Talking about bringing things to the table. What do I do as a Christian? You got to learn to back out of that and look at the bigger picture. And I think that's learned. Some people naturally have it. Uh, I know for me, it was kind of learned. Yeah. And and it was from everything we're talking about. You know, Matt and I both have spent a lot of time studying the scripture. And we brought this up before, but it's relevant to what we're talking about right now. You may say, well, I'm... I hear what all you're saying and I don't disagree or whatever, but I'm just not smart enough to grab all that. And mm -hmm. I want to challenge you with that. Matt has degrees. He's got formal education and I got squat. I barely got out of high school, but the desire to know what the Lord wanted and how he had to do it. I was willing to learn how to, I learned grammatical rules and all that stuff. I didn't go to study. I learned it by yeah. reading this. And using things like Blue Letter Bible and going into learning about verbs and nouns. I wasn't trying to learn about verbs and nouns. Right. But anyway, it helped develop my mind, even though I'm dyslexic as the day is long. So you have to pursue that. It does say that the Lord gives you a desire. And that's what really burned me into learning about the scriptures. When I, not when I was saved. I was saved. And then many years later, I started what church language they call growing, right? And man, I just had a hunger to read the thing. And I read it and read it and read it and read it. I did at night after I'd get off work. I'm under the covers, you know, and my wife's trying to sleep and I got a flashlight on in her. Well, I've never had anything like that, somebody might say. I don't know if that's how it comes to everybody. But the point is, is to spend time with it. And then this thing we're talking about panning back out a little bit will seem more natural. Yeah, well, you got to spend time reading it. And I know that that's beat like a dead horse. Well, and and it's it's like, uh, it's if you ever seen the movie Karate Kid, it's it's kind of <laughs> like, I mean, my brain kind of works in a simple deal. It's 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 getting Mister Miyagi. I mean, you know, in the movie, he was wax on, wax off, and he learned these little simple things. You know, sand the floor, paint the fence, paint the house, or whatever. He had no idea what he was doing but the pieces came together in the fight and he was oh i can fight you know yeah there's That's actually a, truth to that yeah and and there and it that may be oversimplified but we we read the scriptures we talk about the scriptures often in compartments you go to sunday school we don't nobody has sunday school anymore which when i finish my doctoral thesis i'm gonna that's gonna be a part of it is what we've lost in jettisoning sunday school type things yeah. you know because what they did was they taught us building blocks. Yeah. You know, they're not individual stories. It's not Noah and the ark. It's not just David and Goliath. It's not just Joseph and it's you kind know, of disciplines. It is. You know, it's 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 bigger than that. But in that moment, you just get that piece. It's the wax on, wax off. It's that piece. 
And as you start studying and you get into a spot and you pan off, like we're talking about, you get back and you start seeing where those blocks fit together. Yeah. That's when the Bible study really gets exciting. And, I, and we want to explore that. And the reason I wanted to, to cover the idea of e, eternal scriptures is it's not that, that they're not all eternal, but you can take what's happening at face value and there's value in that. There may be a thou shalt, thou shalt not. Um, but there may also be some eternal truth behind it that begins to tie and weave the story together. Yeah. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today. Um, and one of the things I've been studying, and if you came to our men's conference and you, you, we talk about this all the time and it's partly because the more I study, the more it's coming up is this juxtaposition of Bethel and Peniel the house of God versus the face of God. And, you know, we talk, we talk about it ad nauseum and, and I don't want to, to beat the dead horse, but the Bethel being the house of God, Peniel being the face of God. Those words are Hebrew word. Bethel yeah. means house of God and Peniel means face of God. But we keep finding them in scripture where they're <laughs> actual, they're, they're treated as places and they are places. Um, and, but they're places that represent something. They're not just regular places that, you know, we see it when Jacob sees the ladder and he sees the angels coming down. He creates this place called Bethel, calls it the house of God because he says, surely the, the, the Lord was here and I did not know it. Yeah. Um, but then he creates this other place, Peniel, when he's fighting with the Lord, basically, and he gets his hip damaged and all this stuff because he wrestled with and looked into the face of God. So he gave it a different name, and it's two different concepts. Well, the more I study, the more I start seeing that concept come up. Yeah. Um, and even when it's not declared, um, I was in 1 Kings chapter 13, 12, 10, 11, 10 through 13, really, uh, talking about the story of Rehoboam and Jeroboam. That's, you know... And I don't, I don't know, if, looking at the clock, I don't know if we've even got time to give the, the quick run of it, but um, long story short. There's a lot of kings and a yeah, lot of efforts and a lot of things blah. in the Old Testament. So if you don't know any of that, don't get too wrapped around the actual of that. But, but what happened point. in this story, if you want to go dig it out, is the kingdom gets divided into two, two tribes and ten. Rehoboam, the rightful king, son of Solomon, descendant of David, gets two. He gets Judah and Benjamin. The other ones all go to this Jeroboam cat who was a servant in the king's household. I mean, he, was a, he wasn't like just a nobody. He rose to power. Read the story. Um, and actually a prophet came to him and said, you're going to get this, and I'm going to rip apart the kingdom from, from Rehoboam because he had his own troubles. But in the story of Jeroboam, we'll call him Jerry because they're going to get him mixed up. Jerry's problem, he, he, you see this in the scriptures, that they had a practice where they would go from wherever they were to Jerusalem to worship. You know, that mm -hmm. happened in Jesus' time, too. They would still do that. they go up to Jerusalem for Passover, whatever. Well, Jerusalem stayed with the, the two. And so Jerry had all the rest of it. Well, it was about to be time for everybody to travel over to what now is the other kingdom. And he says, oh, man, it declares in the scriptures. If they go over there, they're going to fall back in love with the king and they're going to stay and turn against me. I told a church on Sunday that it's kind of like we don't want people in our church to go visit another church because we're afraid they're going to like it better and not come back. Okay. That'd, yeah. that'd be a modern analog. <laughs> and, and then he says this. There could be some truth in that statement. <laughs> But, but if you're worried about that, let them go. You're not focusing on the kingdom anyway. So as a side note. Well, and, and so the scriptures declare that that's the real reason that he's worried. But what he says is, it's too hard for y'all to go yeah. all the way to Jerusalem. It's just too difficult. And and I'm reading that and I'm going, but wait a minute. When they were all together before the kingdom, they still traveled that. Nothing changed. He just needed a reason. Yeah. And so what he did, and you go read the story, he said, I'm, we'll make our own place of worship. And he built Bethel. And and, yeah. and then he went and did what I, I mean, I guess it's the culture. But literally. Literally. Not figuratively. We're not saying like he built a Bethel. He built Bethel. Yeah. 
and he built a house of God and created two golden calves. I don't know what it is about these stinking golden calves. <laughs> and one went to Dan, just another place, and he said he put one in Bethel. And they started worshiping. He even created a feast for them to celebrate. And in the scriptures, it says it was like unto the feast of Jerusalem. Familiar. It was familiar. He started doing it. But it also declares that he did it because it came out of his own mind. He did it the way he wanted it done because he was, and here's the trick. He was afraid he was going to lose his people. So he created something that would be easy for them out of his own mind to keep control over his people. Probably in his mind he was saying, I'm doing this for God. Yeah, maybe. Because, well, but I he, don't mean he was actually doing it for God. He was justifying it that way. Yeah. But he was really doing I'm, it for I'm, him. I'm giving him some place to worship. You yeah. know, it's it's akin to when people say, you know, and coming in out of the school districts and stuff in education, we're doing it for the children. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, do you really think that the children need all of this, whatever? It's not really for the children. It's for you. Yeah. And um, and it's an excuse. And so one of the other things that he did was it says he let anybody who wanted to be a priest, he let them be a priest. Well, the problem with that mm-hmm. was is you had to be of the tribe of Levi. You had to be, a, or you had to be a Levite, and uh, uh, you had to be what's the word genetic priest. I mean, you, there were only a certain group of people. Well, they didn't come to that kingdom. All of them were, you know, right. they they stayed. And he was like, I don't care if you're qualified or not. I'm just going to let you lead. And you read through and it says that idolatrous worship, it says it became a sin to him. He caused the people to sin. And because of that, God wiped his whole household off the face of the earth in a few generations, if you read on. Yeah. Okay. What I wanted to bring out is we've been talking. You can get into that text and read that story and be like, oh, okay, I see. He rebelled against God. It happened. It's a historical thing. But that sort of thing has been happening and still happens. and still happens. That's why it's an eternal it's eternal verse in that it's showing us a pattern of behavior, both of man and of God, that is an eternal, repeating, factual thing. Uh, I'm gonna toss this back to you in a second, but another place we see this very same sort of thing is in Cain and Abel. Hmm. And Tim, you know, Tim goes back to that a lot. So I'll toss it to you. I want you to talk a little bit about how how is it that, what's the contrast between Cain and Abel in terms of doing the worship your own way and the way you want to do it? Well, and you know, when Cain and Abel were around, that was, that was in the beginning, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? It's after the, after the fall. So mom and dad had already created a mess. But they were still in conversation with God. Right. Whatever that meant, but it was no doubt. Yeah. And so it says that, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly how it was worded when it came time for the offerings or whatever it was. Uh, Abel was a farmer, and he didn't think anything about it. He got what he had to hand it off to his Lord and he knew because he, he knew his Lord would take care of him. Okay. It's not an issue of following the rules. It's an issue of the heart, right? So God's looking for those whose hearts are solely his, right? That was Abel. Cain, uh, chalk it up to personality or whatever. I don't know, but he was in conversation with God too. I mean, on a, however they did that, and I know the reason I say that is, is because the conversations that they had after he got in trouble. Yeah. Right. Cain uh, was a raiser of animals, but he was a little full of himself. Uh, I don't know if he, I'm sure he had the same concept as Abel did. You know, God is who he says he is and he can take care of you and all those things. I mean, this is really, I'm not telling you exactly how they felt because that. God raises us, deals with us, so that we have to deal with him on an individual level. Not necessarily if I follow God like Matt follows God, then a- I'm going to get Abel what I want. Abel the, was the livestock guy. You, that's those, Cain had the veggies. Okay. Okay. So just Something just around. stuck out in my head. I was like, oh, wait Yeah, so Abel, uh, 
so Abel brings his best of the flock. He's not worried about how that's going to damage his flock. Yeah. It doesn't mean anything to him. And it, when you're raising animals or even uh, crops, it makes a difference on getting the best you have to breed and those kinds of things. So you don't think about those things if you're not involved in that. But you can bring that down to where you are and what you do now or whatever. Anyway, so Cain brings a second best thing because he's trying to keep the best for himself. And it doesn't really matter why. And that's where we get into arguments uh, as humans. But I did it because. And that can be right or it can be selfish. Does that make yeah. sense? I really am trying to save my livelihood, and that's why I did it. Well, God works in both of those situations, too. But anyway, Cain does what he does, and he gets really offended when God doesn't take his sacrifice. Yeah. And even God said, this is after he killed after he killed his brother and God kind of corners him, so to speak. That's why I'm saying that they had conversations and they knew whether it was just like we're doing right now or that's not even the argument. Don't even get caught up in that. They're having a conversation and he knows it's God. And he says, uh, God tells him, he said, all you had to do is, now you know, bring the right offering this time and everything's good. But you didn't do that. Well, let me, let me speak in that. There's not a lot we know about that story. It's less than a chapter. It's like 10 verses. And Abel's dead. That's all we know. Yeah. And we don't know how they knew or what, how they knew what they were supposed to do. That we don't know. It doesn't tell us. Those conversations. I don't know what that looked like. It doesn't matter. But they had had them evidently. But they had had them because it's interesting when he says, Abel presented an offering from his flock and Cain presented an offering from his produce. Yeah. God didn't want the produce. He wanted the, the animal sacrifice. Theologians will probably will tell you, some, many of them, that that's a tie back to when God sacrificed the animals to cover uh, Adam and Eve. That Now we have blood sacrifice. It's got to be in there. So that's what he wanted. Um, whether, you know, some of that speculation, because that's not necessarily in the text, except for the fact that the animal one was good, the fruit one or the vegetable one was bad. That's it. Well, like Tim said, he gets all offended. Why don't you accept that? Yeah, he got, he got personally offended. Yeah. Like, actually, the CSB says Cain was furious and despondent. I mean, he wasn't just irritated. He was flabbergasted. I mean, he was, he was wound tight. What do you mean what I gave you is not good enough for you? And the Lord said, why are you furious? He says, and why do you, and here we, we've talked, I'm going to touch on, on transgression versus sin too. He says, and why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, you won't, won't you be accepted? But if you do what is not right, sin is crouching at the door and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. That right there is where his caution came. He was like, you have no reason to be angry. It's like I, I tell my kids, you don't need to get mad at me because you're in trouble. Yeah. You did it. Yeah. And that's kind of what he's saying. But even in that moment... That means he knew, though. He did. He, well, he did know. And even though he knew, it reads as though he even hadn't yet sinned. Yeah. Because he said, if you're not going to do what's right, sin is crouching at the door. It's like it's waiting yeah. for you. It's tempting you. If you'll just do what I've told you to do then you're not going to get into this snare. Well, instead of going, yes, my my father, let me go get a goat or whatever. Whatever he knew he needed to do, he didn't do that. He immediately turned around and said, hey, Abel, let's go out into the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and killed him. I mean, that's the story. <laughs> that's yeah. it. He said, how does this tie into Jeroboam? And, and what is this talking about eternal stuff? God had prescribed a way of worship. And don't get caught up on the, it wasn't about the rule. You said that. It yeah. wasn't necessarily about, did you get everything just right? It was that God had given a directive. Yeah. However he gave it, however they received it. And when he gives things, they're natural. What do you mean by that? Well, the Bible says that eternity has been implanted into the heart of man. Ecclesiastes 3. Yeah. That means you're almost kind of hardwired to be able to accept and understand the things of the kingdom. Right. God speaking. 
And what I mean by natural, it's natural within the knowledge that he's given you to know how you need to respond. But then your own nature kind of gets into that, and it maybe I've, I'm not really ready to get rid of that yet. And there's other examples that we could pour out about that in the New Testament too. And it sounds like we're guessing on what happened here, but the point was is that God wouldn't even have that conversation with him if he didn't know. Right. Well, and, yeah, there was he, a rhetorical question. Yes, why it are was you, a rhetorical question. Why are you question? mad? It's, you mean, you knew, you know, tell your kid, be home at 10. They come home at 11 and get grounded, and they're like, oh, oh. <laughs> why are you surprised that you got in trouble? You broke curfew. That That's the characteristic of what's happening. That's exactly what happened. That's what I mean by when he got personally offended. At yeah. That. He got caught, and he didn't want to have to deal with the consequences of it. It's embarrassment. It's yada, yada, yada. Well, and you even hear people, you shouldn't embarrass people. Well, well yeah, he, you don't go out and purposely try to embarrass them, but it's going to happen. Well, and he took it a step further by committing a much more heinous act of murder. It's because he was holding on to that. That's right. I'll do what I want to do. And that's where this ties together. Is there's we, we say this all the time. There's, there's one thing God does not take away from us, and that is the right to reject him and the right to ourselves. Yes. <clears throat> and is it, uh, is it, I'm, I'm drawing a blank, the broad path and the narrow path, Matthew 7 is what I want to say. Oh, the narrow gate. Yeah. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the reference. But all those people that get to the end of the path, didn't we do this and this and this yeah. and this and this? And he says, yeah, but I don't know you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. They were zealous. They were thinking they were in the right path, but they weren't doing the weightier, meatier things in terms of a relationship with him. They weren't looking into his face. They were worried about the house, the Bethel. Well, and I would tell you it's it's even more subtle than that. Here's the point of everything we're telling you. We are telling you to study the scriptures, and we are telling you to find all those things, but this is about how you and I walk every day. Right. And so it's even more subtle than that. Uh, Jeroboam and them, he was making these places to worship and that kind of stuff. He was making it convenient. Yep. I'm not Built telling you convenience is a bad thing. That's, that's not what I'm getting at. But he was making it convenient because he was plotting in his mind, and that's when it became a sin to him. And it says he was making other people sin. And what that means is, is that they knew it was wrong. Yeah. But they were going, yeah, but this is so convenient. Look, I can still do God things. what I did over there. Yeah. And here, here in Romans 1, it says that if you keep ignoring God long enough, he's going to let you go to that. So my point is, is that all these guys that even knew that, they were going, they got to a point where they really believed what they were doing was the right way. And you couldn't tell them any different. Yeah. But there was a place where they did. Yeah. And he, God was like, okay. Well, I was listening to it. sounds bad, but that's. I was listening to a sermon just this morning um, from Crossbrand. I was talking about Mike's sermon from Crossbrand, talking about uh, the the new America. And he's talking about just kind of the deterioration of our culture and, and all those kind of things. But the, the thing he, he said in there that, you know, that impacted me on this topic was, is that God will at some point, He'll just leave you to yourself. And that's a terrifying thing to be left to yourself because in Jeroboam's case, the result of that is his entire lineage, not just the house that he lived in there, but his all of his descendants got subsequently wiped off the face of the earth because he wanted to do it his way. How do you tie these things together is there was a way to worship God in Abel and Cain's time. Yes. Abel went along with what God said to do. Cain, for whatever reason, and, it, and I, I glean from it is this, he would have had to have gone to his brother and taken an extra step to get the animal, okay? So we're back to this convenience thing. Well, I'll just take what I've got. I know what I'm supposed to take, but I've got this other stuff, and that'll be okay. It's yeah. more convenient. And God's like, no, I don't accept that. That's not what I wanted from you. And in Jeroboam's deal, he was like, well, we're still going to worship. We're just going to do it over here. Yeah. So nobody has to travel. 
And that was even a false reason. He really did it to keep everybody close and in control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that's where it got sinful because he was he was plotting. It's bait and switch. All this tell everybody it's too hard for you. So we'll just do this over here. Well, then they bought into it. And it says even in the text that they walked in a procession in front of the golden calf all the way to Dan. I mean, it, and it wasn't like they were completely oblivious. They're, they knew better. But they're like, oh, we're going to do our... And if you read the... You keep reading the text. All of these people were mad at Rehoboam because he didn't listen to them. His sin's a different one. They're like, the yoke is too heavy. Your father did this to us. And he basically was like, I don't care about you. I'm going to make it even harder on you. Yeah. And they got mad at him. So there was a division. And the division was actually from the Lord. You know, we always talk about unity. And it, and it is good. But in this case... The scriptures declared this division was of the Lord because he was fixing to he was fixing to whoop both of them before it was all over with. And but the people's mindset is we know what we're supposed to do, but we're going to build our own way to do it. Yeah. And so Cain was a sick mind. How, tell me how when you asked me to talk about that, what you were. I mean, the, the how did how did Cain build his own way of worshiping? God? Okay, so so. That's how it started. Yeah. So he kills his brother, and he ends up in another confrontation with God. And actually, I don't mean confrontation like this. I mean, God shows up. He's like, yeah. where's your brother? <laughs> yeah. So, He's caught. So here's an eternal thing to take out of that. As bad as Cain sang, or sinned, God didn't leave. Right. And it wasn't that it couldn't be redeemed. God's looking at things from, we've talked about this before, this eternal function. There's not much that he can't make right. So the fact that he even showed up with Cain under those circumstances means something. Yeah. He wasn't showing up to bash him with a hammer. There were consequences, but that's still redeeming quality, if that makes sense. It is. On God's side. Right. The rest right. of us would be like, oh, man, it's time to throw him in a prison cell and it's over with. Well, we're not looking at it right. That's that's a piece of this looking at an eternal verse. The fact that God even showed up to him like that in who God is, he didn't have to show up. He could have, Cain would have been a, a poof and it had been over with. Nobody even, he wouldn't even have to have been put in there. Right. So all this is about showing who God really is. But where Cain was concerned, he God shows up. They have the conversation. God says, we're going to be this, this, and this. And Cain's still justifying himself. Yeah. There's something about that. It is pride. It's holding on to yourself. And demanding that you have it. Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's putting yourself in the place of God. That's Satan's problem. Satan isn't, you know, we look at him as this entity and we just, he just know he's evil, right? That guy really thinks he can be God. Yeah. That's how messed up he is. And everything he does is driven to put himself in that place. But when you back out and look at the big picture of that, and you're looking at God, and you're looking at Satan, you're going, yeah. how do you even come into that conclusion, Satan? It's just deception. Oh, it's big. Self, it is it's self-deception. Self -deception. And that's where Cain, that's where we see Cain. You know, we can identify more with him, but that's what I'm telling you. He didn't want to let it go. Yeah. And he says, and you know, well, these are the consequences. And and Cain says, yeah, but everybody's going to kill me because I went against you. He's trying to get out of it, but he's also speaking the truth. Yeah, all these people know who you are, and they're not going to take kindly to me Being, going against you in that sense. And it's kind of like, sorry <laughs> about your bad luck, you know. And God's like, okay, well, I'll take care of that problem. You're still going to deal with the circumstances in this. And what we misconstrue is, is that in the presence of God, he's in the presence of God. He's right there. And God never said, get out of here. Yeah. Cain was so shamed, he left on his own. Yeah, and that's an important deal. Under his own pretense, his own power. And when he left, it says he's the one that started building cities. And I'm not saying cities are evil, so don't, don't run with that. But basically, he went and built his own created world. Right. He made it how he wanted to do it, how he thought it should be done. And you can read how messed up that was, and you can fast forward and get to Sodom and Gomorrah, 
and Same you start story. seeing how that happened. Well, and then you get to Rehoboam and Jeroboam, and it even declares yeah, Jeroboam and says he did it how he wanted to in his mind. And yeah. so there's this exaltation of self over what God's way. We see it in the Pharisees. They, they were given this little chunk of law, and they created this big law. And then, <laughs> and then the law became the goal. That became the thing. They built it the way they wanted it. Jesus comes in and wrecks shop over them. Like, these are my chosen people. These are You're the descendants of Abraham. And he calls them all these ugly names because they built it the way they wanted it. And when we're talking about digging eternal things out of it, is we see that now. It's still happening. Yeah, well, and it's nature. It is. And that's the that's the whole point. Is it's it's the it's it's not even just a sin problem or this or a church problem. It's a human being problem. Well, it's a human being problem absent of the spirit of yeah. God. Yeah. And so and that and the reason well, why would God create us that way? I should be able to do what I want. You were. You were created to be able to do what you want. But where you start falling off and being like Cain and going and creating your own world, somehow or another you've decided, because you can't make it without the one that created you. I'm not even talking about salvation and all those kind of principled things. I'm talking about you cannot live a life of anything apart from him. Right. Well, and, and we're looking at examples, you know, where, where we see Jeroboam kind of rebellion creating your own deal. If you go to a church, you probably see some of this. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, I grew up in the ultra-conservative world where, let me, let me back up. I grew up in a, in a, in a world that had a, a group of people that were really, I, I call them the crazies, you know, the ultra-super-fundamental whatever. We weren't in that space. We kind of carried some of the same labels. But there was even a separation from that, you know, and the old way is the only way. The old way is the best way. Yeah. And we got to do everything, the, the, whatever the old way is. And for that group, it's whatever you were doing in the fifties yeah. for real. I'm not, that's not a shot. That's just whatever church yeah. looked like in the fifties. And you had to wear, you know, you couldn't wear modern clothing. You, you had to, and, and it wasn't like they wanted you to wear stuff in the 1800s. It was from the mid 1900s. That was the golden era. And so that was exalted. The Pharisees did it with tradition. Um, you can swing the other direction now, and it's like, oh, now everybody's got to be a mega church, you know, because that's the yeah. way to do it. Um, you know, this church in Dallas has been successful, so we got to do it just like that. We're going to build our thing the way we want it, you know, instead of the way God wants it. Or another flavor of that is, I don't want to do it like anybody's doing it. I'm going to just create my own thing. I, I quoted, I won't call his name on the podcast, but. A, a pastor. He's a big deal. He's been famous. His church blew up. But I was listening to um, a, a recording of him speaking to his staff years ago. And he actually made the statement. He said, I've never, he just come to the faith. He said, I've never been a member of a church, never been in a church. So I thought the best thing I could do was start my own. That's the spirit of Jeroboam, mm -hmm. of even if you know everybody else is wrong or I'm going to do it my way or whether it's convenient, um, we got to be careful about that because there's some eternal things that we see in these patterns that it's just in our nature to just do what we want to do. And you're going to do that. I want to lay that out there. Good or bad, you're going to do that. You were created to do what you wanted to do. It's the maturity part where you start connecting the thing, you know what? This works a whole lot better when I'm looking at God while I'm doing this. And that means reading your scripture, spending time. Just tell me what to do. He's not looking for that. He's looking for you to watch him. And struggle. And in the struggle, you're going to do what you want to do. You're going to do things wrong. You're going to find out that you sinned when you did it, or you may just find out you were just dead wrong. And you'll deal with all your personality issues and stuff. But in the end, it's doing what Jacob did. As messed up as that guy was personally, it was God that kept pursuing him and it was God that wrestled with him. And he did, in that particular instance, something happened that had never happened in scriptural history. Even Moses didn't get to look at God in the face, not until the transfiguration when Jesus stuff came around, or at least in scripturally, yeah. historically, historically, scripture speaking. But that's the first time that had happened. 
And that meant something to Jacob. And you say, well, I need God to wrestle with me. Well, I would tell you, he's looking to wrestle with you, but you want it done under a given context. So you refuse right. to do it. Right. And in all of that, I'm saying that. In the same thing with Cain, God never left. He kept pursuing <laughs> Yeah. He kept pursuing you, and you just don't want to. And at some point or another, sometimes, I don't know, I didn't know. Very humbly, I would tell you, my heart is perfect toward the Lord. But if you watched in all the circumstances I've gone through and stuff, you'd be like, he's hard-headed, and he's doing exactly what he wants to do. And then I find that God has been pursuing me anyway, and I just fall down, and I want to do what he's got for me to do. And 30 seconds later, I'm over here trying to do something I want to do my own way. But overall, I've been able to discipline myself to start falling back where his face is. And it's a lot of times there's no rules there. Because how he presented himself to Paul or how he presented himself to Gideon or all these people we're talking about, every time you look at those stories, he presents himself in a different kind of way, so to speak. But it's still him. Is that... It is. Well, and, and there's an old saying, and I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, but it's something to the effect of love God and do what you want. And Dan said that all the time. And the idea is, is that if you really love God biblically and wholeheartedly and your heart is perfect toward him, you can do what you want because according to James, you know, sin comes out of the desires of the heart. What happens when you get your face in his face is what you want begins to change. And yeah. it begins to be what he wants and less of what you want. And somewhere out there, I hadn't found it yet, there's this sweet spot of when your wants and his wants become the same thing and he lets you walk before him. And yeah, that's a whole that's other, a whole thing other teaching. But, about, it's, but when, it's good. when your wants and his wants are in accord, you can then ask what you will and it'll be granted because you're not going to ask according to your own desire. You're no, and it's not about getting the formula right. It's about getting in his face to the point like Jacob did and realizing what you're doing. And a lot of that is in the struggle. And, yeah. you know, and that's why when there's struggle, I mean, our tendency is to pack up our toys and go home. Let's go, let's go to a different church. Let's go to a different denomination. Um, or, or feeling, you know, there's a thousand different ways to address that. You know, well, let's don't go to any denomination. I'm now I can't, I was raised Baptist and somebody hurt me. So now I can't be Baptist or I was raised Pentecostal and they were weird. So now I got to be, and that's the way that we think. And all the while he's pursuing us in all of that, you know, and for me, the eternal thread is there's a, and it's not even about the rule of, was it a goat or was it the stuff? It was God had in that part in Cain and Abel had designed a way to interface with him. And Cain said, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it yeah. my way. And if you look at if you pan back, what he said is, I want you to get in my face and I want you to contend with me. I want you to wrestle with me. And a lot of times I we're like, tell you, it's not as he wanted to, you need to. You need to. Yeah, exactly. That's, That's what why I was talking about. You, you can't live without that. And, and it is designed that way. Yeah. But we want to make it convenient and easy. If you don't believe me, just talk to church, go to a church leadership conference. Go to a church growth conference and just for this, like you're auditing the course and it's all about how to make things easy and convenient and yeah. how to get people in. It's a big yeah. marketing spill and approach. And here's how you get more people. You got to hit them where they are. It's for the children. I mean, all these catchphrases, you know, and a lot of that stuff's not necessarily wrong, No, but they're focusing on those things and not saying you got to lead your people to the face of God and let him lead that where it's going to go. Which is why we keep bringing up Bethel and Peniel. Yeah. There's nothing, Hebrews tells us, and I believe it's 12, that the temple itself, it says, it says that Moses was told, be very careful about how you put the temple together. Do it right. Make your house of God, the Bethel, right? Because it's a shadow of the reality. Yeah. Okay? You want it to be a proper reflection. But even when it's done right, even when it's done well, and it's important, and it's good, good things, they're not the goal. Yeah. The goal is to get you to the face of God, to Peniel. Yeah. And that's a shift in thinking for most people. We focus on Bethel. We focus like Jeroboam did. How do we make this easier for everybody to do good things? How do we make this easier for everybody to get involved in worship? Well, that may not be what God wants from us. Because what he really wants from us is to get in his face 
and he describes himself as a tempest and there's a storm about him and it and you yeah, get in his face do that. and it's going to jack everybody <laughs> up and so to avoid that we build our own bethels everywhere we go yeah and they could be and are awesome things but when they become the point of worship they become idols and stuff starts blowing up and so we're constantly going look past the bethel bethel's not you know, you say, well, which church should I go to? Which version should I read? All this stuff. A lot of that's Bethel. It's not good or bad. It's neutral. Yeah. Push yeah. past that. Push past that. Yeah. Bloom where you're planted. Get in the word. Get your face in his face and be able to contend and wrestle with him and find those eternal truths, which are God just wants you to approach him. That's it. And he's made ways to do that. And I would tell you that people that have wrestled and spent time with the Lord, you got to be patient with the ones that are wrestling. Mm. Uh, because yeah, you get ugly. to the point you think, well, I know I can help them not have to deal with all that. Not really. That's time between God and them almost. Yeah. You just have to learn to endure that. And that's a hard one for me. I just yeah, admit to you, that, yeah, that's that a hard because I, I don't want people to have to go through some of it. And the, that's my nature. But the fact of the matter is, is the going through it is necessary. It's like, I know when the kids were learning to walk when they were little, you don't chastise them for falling down when they're trying to walk. They fall down a million times a day. But when they take a step, everybody cheers, you know, <laughs> and learning to walk with the Lord is, is not a lot different. But what well, we tend to do is want to give everybody a spanking for falling down while they're trying to learn to walk. Well, and that's true. And I, you know, boys are just dumb. When they're young, they're, I don't know what it is, they're pretty sharp until they're about five or six, and all of a sudden their brains shut off. Till they're about 30. And you, I've worked with kids a lot, especially boys, and that's because I have my own, but also I've worked with them in other, other contexts. And it's almost like from their brains will turn back on somewhere between 17 and 25. Yeah. <laughs> and so we just kind of went through this at, at my house. So here's, here's endearing people that are working through the Lord. That may be an example of that. Uh, my poor wife needed some things done and, and uh, I told her, we got it. We're going to do it. So I, I got Jesse to do part of this and, and, uh, not beating up Jesse, just 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 a good just a I good hope you're example. Not watching Jesse. <laughs> Jesse was supposed to finish the dishes last night. He did part of it, turned the dishwasher on. He said, "Nope, when it's done, I'm going to unload it. and I'm going to reload that thing." And my poor wife is, I knew if she came down in the morning and saw that mess, that it was just going to be the straw that that broke her, you know. So I felt confident Jesse had it, and I needed him to do it. I could have done it, but it, it, to me, it was a training opportunity, right? And so sure enough, I got up this morning and I heard some clattering after I went to bed. So I thought, okay, what are you doing? And uh, got up this morning, they're not done. And my knee-jerk reaction was to go in there and pull Jesse out by his ear and say, you get this done for your mama come downstairs, which is what I should have done. Well, I didn't. Went out and started doing work. Well, sure enough, it, it was the straw. <laughs> and, and my point is, is that he needed to do that. It would have been more convenient to do it some other kind of way. And it doesn't really matter if Margie saw that or she didn't see that. I did. And he needed to follow through and he needed to complete what he was doing. And it doesn't really matter why he wasn't trying to be evil or not do it. Rebellious. He, it, was just, forgot. it was just the dumb. And I know they're like that. I was like that. Was? But that is... Nobody's talking to you. But that, what I'm trying to tell you is, is not what happened in my house. But in during that, I had to, if it was a lesson for me, I had complete control to make this thing work out the way it needed to do. He was going to learn how to be, you know, diligent or a piece of learning him how to be diligent and all those kinds of things. And my wife would have been served well. So I'm not beating Jesse up. I'm saying that I saw that, and even though, yeah, I should have dragged him out by his ear, but that would be me enduring him learning how to do things like that. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean... And when you see those things, you have to... We, we would, It's inconvenient for us, too, for people around us to be learning the things about the kingdom. But you know what? 
the the catchphrases that we find is is we're walking through something with somebody or it gets yeah. messy. That's the catchphrases we'll see. Yeah. My thing is, you know, it's like when everybody was talking about outlawing cigarettes in Dallas. I remember <laughs> years ago, can't smoke in places anymore. And I remember I, we were at a family gathering and I was the only one in the room. I was like, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> what do you mean? No, it's awful. And secondhand smoke is going to kill us. And it's like, I'm with you. I hate cigarettes. I'm allergic to it. It's awful. And I said, but freedom is messy. It is. And if you want to be free in one area and you start, you know, I said, you just got to be careful when you start. And sure enough, here we are. And we have lost a lot of freedom. Walking with the Lord is also messy. Well, that's the tempest. Yeah. In Psalms exactly. 50. And it doesn't mean that it's just you getting tossed around. Everybody around you is getting tossed <laughs> around too. And you know what? I look at those things and I've learned this is an eternal thing. I read that thing in Psalms 50 where it says it's a terrible tempest around him. Uh, and the black and white people look at that and go, well, that's just the sinners. <laughs> no, it's no, not. It's everything. It's everything. But now I look at that when I'm seeing chaos and all kinds of stuff, even if I'm all frustrated over it, I can pan back and go, you know what? God's working here. Yeah. <laughs> well, because when God works, that's what it looks like. Yeah. And the thing that we want to constantly push you into as you listen or in each other into and our families is it's and I and I have to keep reminding myself because I'm the world's worst about well it ought to be this way and this is the way it's got to go oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah, and yeah. if we'll just do it this way everything will be fine and and that's just my bend and I have to remind myself well that might even be true that yeah but the process needs to happen and it's okay for the process to happen it's okay for God to work out in people and it's okay to stand by and watch it yeah. um, and you know and instead of Yes, you want to help and mentor and whatever and keep people from making dumb mistakes. Yes. But if they do, if you do, it's not the end of the world. It's 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 okay. It's part of the And process. God's going to keep his options open to work through people. There's nothing you can do that's going to yeah. thwart that if he's got his hand on that. Well, and, and in those stories of Jeroboam and Rehoboam, uh, yeah. Jeroboam gets wiped off. And actually, so does Rehoboam. I mean, he just wipes... He, he completely... But then there's a king later that comes along and it says, finally, there was one who says he did what was right in the sight of the Lord Ed, and his 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 father, David, not, his, I mean, his lineage father. Yeah. And so there's options. There's always options. There's always options. And and that's the thing is, is you have you just to just get mad when you don't like your options or yeah. they've gotten worse because you didn't do before. Pan up. You got to let back. go of that. Pan back out of it. Get into the face of the Lord. Get into the Word. Get into prayer, and let Him figure it out, and and just just endure. You know, on a technical note, to pan back that just means if you're looking at it right here, and you come back on a camera, you see a lot bigger picture. Yeah. That's what we mean by get that. out of the weeds. I heard a guy used to tell me he said, "Get out of the weeds, yeah. and uh, and start looking at the bigger picture." Um, I don't have anything to announce or anything to you. No, we're good. all right. Um, I know this was a long one today. Uh, we had a lot to say, apparently. And I hope it wasn't blabbery. So. It may have been, but if it was, it was. And, you know, it is what it is. We're glad you're here. Like us. Share the broadcast if you're on YouTube or Facebook, whatever, or even on Spotify. I'm trying to get people cranked into our Spotify account and uh, and follow those things and share our deal. Go out to our website. We've got lots of resources there. I'm still hoping to have a uh, Bible study training sometime at the end of the summer. We also are going to be having at the Bridge Fellowship at least one more men's day. Uh, men's event we'll be looking for those dates to come soon and uh, Tim and I will be doing some more teaching in there you got anything else that's it if you see Jesse out there just apologize to him because he just made a teaching uh, analogy out of it <laughs> all right we'll see you guys later bye